Welcome to the Launch Your Live podcast, a show dedicated to providing you with daily, top-level, live video tips, tricks, and strategies to not only help you start, but also excel at live streaming. Here are your hosts, Christian Karashevitz and Jim Fuse. Did you pick the right music for your live streams? Using music when live streaming can help enhance your live streams and make them not only more engaging and more entertaining for your viewers. On this episode, Jim and I are going to sit down with Matt Schick on how to pick the right music for live streaming or how to decide if you have the right music for your live streams. So, Jim, it's fantastic seeing you again. I mean, this is what, episode 40 of the Launch Your Live podcast. I know uh, we've got a great um, episode here with uh, with Matt today, um, so uh, it's really good to have him on, but I'm gonna go ahead and bring him on uh, and we can kick things off. Hello, good morning. Great to see you, Matt. And, and even though our podcast uh, listeners can't see it, for those of you watching this uh, on our interview series on YouTube, Matt is sporting an amazing StreamYard shirt, by the way. Just a so, uh, little shout out to our friends. Oh, no, nobody can see my Vanna White uh, motion showing off the shirt. <laughs> They're good, guys. They're good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so. No, I was going to say, uh, yeah, we've gotten to know Matt through the uh, through the StreamYard uh, producers beta program. And, uh, you know, Matt is an amazing guy. I'm really glad that uh, he could join us today. Thank you so much. Really a pleasure. I, I couldn't think of a better way of starting my morning off. By the way, we got to get a copy of that background you have. I mean, I think that that's a that would make a great Zoom background, you know, great um, live video background for people that would have a green screen. So I like that. <laughs> get get out! It's funny. I'm I'm shooting into the corner. So I, I live in in Manhattan. So you know, naturally, my wife and I are both working out of our 700 square foot apartment. Which means, if I turn my camera two degrees to the left, you see my bed. But we don't want to see that. So I turn it back. I get it perfectly out of frame. Now you're you're seeing the. Uh, the window, the gloomy New York behind me, and it's funny when I when I did a couple, I've done a couple of these uh, video shows mm -hmm. uh, for Streamyard, and every time I I even purchased a, a big green pop up uh, green screen to have in the background, and I'm like I'm the guy who's usually behind the camera anyway, not in front of it. So why am I going to like set up this green screen and, and have a background when I never normally would have uh, that set up anyway? You know, again, I'm the guy lurking in the wings of the uh, the virtual curtain, so. Um, so this is me. I'm not pretending to be someone I'm not. This is me in my little corner of my New York apartment. <laughs> Fantastic. You know, I, I gotta say, thanks a lot for joining us, you know, for this episode. Uh, you know, I'm gonna go and kick things off. I mean, so I know I've chatted with you. I know Jim has chatted with you, but how did you get started in live streaming? Like what's your story? What's your background? Sure. It's, uh, well, it's, it's definitely not really a linear, uh, uh, move. So, I I, uh, I started out as a performer myself, actually. Uh, I was a magician from the time I was 10 years old to the time I was in college. Uh, uh, literally, I would perform. You know, I remember going home. Drive, I went to school up in Boston, and I, I grew up in New Jersey. And I'd drive home from Boston to Jersey. And I'd perform like four shows every weekend, five shows, drive right back up, and then continue all my classes. And um, it was how I made my living for, for many, many years. And uh, coming, you know, 
uh, coming to, into this uh, production world as a performer is very helpful. We could talk a little bit more about that later. But in addition to performing, I always really loved the production side of things. Uh, when I was in high school, I produced um, these two very large benefit shows at my, my school's new theater. Um, both shows very fortunately sold out. We raised about $30,000 for a children's hospital uh, of Philadelphia. So it was a really big victory for me. And not only did I get to perform and host the shows, and they featured magicians from across the world, from Las Vegas, uh, from you know, the, you know, cruise ship performers, people, real pros who, uh, you know, lead the industry. I also, you know, learned how to, how to sell tickets, how to market, how to, uh, you know, create a brand that people really uh, could trust. So the second year when we did the show, we sold out in a month's time rather than six months time. So I really loved production and I loved magic and I went to school for business. And then uh, after that, I went right to work on a television show uh, as the magic producer for uh, True TV's The Carbonara Effect. And The Carbonara Effect is a hidden camera magic show. Uh, it's run five seasons, over 115 episodes on True TV. Um, and that allowed me to combine both of my loves, the magic and also production. Uh, and that was a very successful show. We, uh, we also toured with a live version of that show. So I was the stage manager and producer of that, uh, of that show up until March when all of live got canceled. Uh, so, uh, literally, you know, March, uh, middle of March, I was getting calls that all of my work for the rest of the year was just completely getting shut down. There's no more live tour. There's no more television show for the time being. And instantly, you know, my, uh, you know, pretty well set up career of, of running this, uh, this entire operation just came to a screeching halt. And, uh, you know, it was definitely frightening, as, as it was for many of us, and wasn't really sure what to do next. And then I was watching, um, a benefit show, uh, which uh, it was the Rosie O'Donnell show that they they repurposed and they did a live uh, version on StreamYard, and that was for I believe the Actors Fund. It was a benefit in April, in March or April, and I was just so blown away with their ability to like really nicely produce a professional stream of famous actors and singers and other uh, you know random celebrities they threw into the mix. And I, I, I sat like with my jaw open thinking, this is amazing. The, the fact that, that you can accomplish this in this uh, new virtual world and the rest really is history. I mean, the next day I went right into just learning everything I could about not only StreamYard, but how to produce, uh, you know, great, solid, uh, well-branded and high, highly professional streams in Zoom and WebEx and other platforms. Mm -hmm. And since March, you know, since that one catalyst of watching that show, um, I'm now at over 250 of these events uh, for all sorts of companies and, and organizations and celebrities and public figures and it's been uh it's been interesting to say the least if you were to tell me uh this time last year that i'd be sitting at my desk last year i flew uh, 100 flights exactly december 31st i hit my 100th flight i was on the road over 300 uh, days and i was saying you know i really need to i need to stay at home a little bit more next year well i got my wish so uh never would have believed you uh if uh if you told me that i'd be just doing everything from my uh you know the corner of my new york apartment but here we are yeah, it, it's it's really interesting because I know for me too. That's when I really went from being in front of the camera, which I still am a lot. And Christian and I uh, also do uh, his show, Social Chatter, uh, but being behind the camera, so to speak, from my proverbial basement. Uh, it's it's amazing what this technology lets us do. Uh, you got an amazing background, uh, and, and so why? And so I think this is where you're really qualified to talk about this. Why is picking the right music so important for your live streams? Sure. Uh, thank you. Yeah. So 
Here, here's here's where we're at currently. Uh, so there's a lot of great ways to produce high, you know, uh, great streams that are engaging uh, in this new virtual world. The problem is most people still aren't doing that. So we're left with, you know, we're left with this condition where we're just all so uh, saturated with screens. We're staring at screens all day long with meetings and family get-togethers and family holidays, and then we're laying in bed scrolling on Instagram and watching videos of our of our, our favorite influencers. So we're just constantly looking at this stuff, and it's getting old. I mean, Zoom fatigue was a real thing back in May, and here we are in uh, nearly December, and uh, it, it's uh, you know it's a problem. So. The, the ability to add something that changes up the rhythm of, of people's day uh, days is very important. So they're, they're used to just watching, talking and listening to talking, hearing people talk at them. So in order to change, you know, in the performing world, when you're building a stage show, it's really important to have ebbs and flows. So you have, you know, not just the same tonality the entire time. It wakes people up. It uh, it, it just, you know, it gets people, it gets their, 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 their juices re-energized. Uh, so uh, it's really important to, to do that. And music is a great way of doing so, where it just keeps the energy moving along. And uh, it just, it, it, it takes it from being just a monotonous talking, which people are just hearing all day and, and adds a little bit of, uh, you know, of, of levity in some cases, excitement in other cases, uh, but most importantly, just a, a tone that you get to, to create with music. So when, okay, so obviously like, I mean, that's, you know, picking the right music, very important. I, I love the ebbs and the flows, you know, you talk about there. So, I mean, are there times where people shouldn't use music on their live streams? I mean, or is there, are there certain times where, you know, oh, well, you should use maybe just an intro, you know, an intro and then continue that throughout your stream and have like an outro that goes with it? Or should you have like a sound bed that goes, you know, plays throughout that's the same? Or um, are there times where you shouldn't use any music? There, that's uh, those are all great questions. Yes, for sure. You, you don't want to overdo it. I mean, with music, a little, a little goes a long way, uh, especially when, uh, you know, it's, it's very, it's very delicate, right? Like we're talking and we are the feature. So right now, if I were to play a song that overpowered us and you couldn't hear what I was saying or what you were saying, Christian, it would be, uh, you know, it, it would degrade the performance, not enhance the performance because, and I say performance cause that's my background, the, uh, the podcast. Uh, so, you know, it, you, uh, the ability to hear your, your speaker, your presenter is, is of utmost importance. Uh, below that, having a, a nice music that sets the tone for what exactly is going on at the same time is is uh, you know is very helpful. So a fun example that I always use, and it, you know it sounds it sounds silly, but if you try, you'll really see how effective it is. Just like film a video on your phone of uh, of your wife or your husband or a child walking to the mailbox, right? And that's all you need, right? Them walking out to the mailbox for, to get the mail. If you put a sad, slow, cinematic song behind that, this thing becomes a tearjerker. I mean, if you put it in black and white, forget about it. You're, you're, you've lost your audience. But it really can set the tone for it. it just fills in the blanks and, and paints a story that video only cannot do. Now, if you put upbeat, peppy music to that, now it's a story of, uh, of you know your daughter going to get the mail. She's excited for a package to come and wants to see if it's there. And that music change alone without changing speed or the way it's shot or anything else that music can completely repaint that picture for you. So it's very important. It's very nice if you're talking about something very serious, you know, maybe music isn't the way to go. If you're talking about something with some comedic levity, something a little more, uh, you know, kind of upbeat and, uh, and, and uh, comical would really help accentuate that. Uh, it's just, it really depends on what the stream is, what the run of show is, when to use it, when not. You mentioned a couple different, uh, you know, uh, use uh, use 
case studies, I should say. So there's there's what's called a music bed. Uh, music bed is, is music that uh, literally lays underneath, or I say you lay on top of the music, just like you'd sleep in a bed. So uh, the music is underneath you, just like a bed is underneath you when you're sleeping. So it's music that's pretty low in the background. You still hear the music. There's typically no lyrics. Uh, it's like an instrumental ambient sound that, again, creates that mood as you're talking. Uh, and that can go if there's like a, a long period of speaking, or let's say you're, you're uh, demonstrating something or sharing a screen and you want to just fill it in and just make it a little more interesting that's a really great uh great um you know use study for a music bed there's also what's called stingers or stings or some people in the industry call them bumpers and that can be like uh you know up next we've got a really great guest it's adam from shark tank and that's your stinger you know just a a bit of just an, an energy jolt so again, people have listened to you for 10 minutes and you've got a, a, a fun jingle or sting that comes in, maybe one that you use throughout the entire show. So people are used to that. It's on brand for you. Uh, music's a great way to establish a brand and stick to it. Maybe it's a jazz sting that you use throughout the entire event. Maybe at the beginning and the end, you've got a prolonged jazz intro and outro, and it just ties it all together into a nice cohesive package. So yeah, there's a lot of lot of great ways of using it. Uh, overdoing it is definitely something you don't want to do. Um, so it's just really important to make sure that you're picking music at the right time and making making strategic choices. And 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 along those lines too, though, do you think that sometimes uh, people are like, you know, you hear a lot of times like, oh, I I want to play all this music, and then their their stuff's getting taken down, and it's almost like they feel like if they can't have music. It, they're, they're like somehow doomed. Um, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a very good point. If you, and if you're not aware, uh, I'm glad you brought it up, Jim, because you, you know, you can't just play music, uh, that you're not licensed to use. And what is that? Pretty much everything you've ever heard before. I mean, if you listen to the radio every single track you've ever heard on the radio is, is owned by another entity, a record label or an artist. Uh, you know, when, uh, when you, uh, like when we used to do our live show in theaters, you pay, there are two organizations you pay the right, you pay rights to um, there's ASCAP and there's BMI. And those organizations essentially pay these blanket costs and it covers, uh, it covers your ability to play those tracks in a theater. So uh, currently there's no real way where that translates super well to, to live because uh, if you're streaming to YouTube, how does YouTube know that you paid for the rights to a Mariah Carey song? Uh, they don't. Uh, in fact, there's been funny stories of actual artists who play their own materials. Clearly, they're, they're, they're licensed. They, in many cases, own it, and their streams are getting pulled down uh, because sites like YouTube and Facebook and, and Pinterest uh, and, and – um, uh, what's Twitter? Periscope, rather. Not Pinterest. <laughs> <laughs> no live video there yet. That'd be it. Yeah, no live video on Pinterest yet. Uh, uh, you know, those, these sites have robo scanners that automatically will detect, uh, uh, copywritten material, whether it's video or audio. So they can, in many cases, just pull your stream down altogether, uh, because they think you're using it without permission. Or in many cases, a lot of us are trying to monetize our streams. So they say, Hey, you're not allowed to make money off of this other person's content. So naturally they pull your stream down. Um, and that can be devastating if you're a live stream producer or a live stream host of your of your own show um, to have your stream get pulled down is, is certainly very frightening. So you have to do it the right way. Um, and there are quite a few right, right ways of doing it. So while you can't play, again, uh, you know, Whitney Houston or Lady Gaga song, because those are obviously owned by their respective uh, mm-hmm. record labels, you can play uh, other types of music. Uh, there's uh, public domain music and there's royalty free music. So public domain music. 
is uh, basically a library of, of music that, again, no one owns, basically. It's, it's used for uh, used for public. Uh, I believe it's 1917 is the year uh, where anything before that year, uh, songs such as Happy Birthday, for example, anything was released before that are public domain. So you can use it anywhere. No one owns the rights to this, um, and you will not get dinged. YouTube would never pull your stream down, etc. So you're certainly allowed to do that. Um, the wider umbrella uh, or portfolio of music that you can use, because you're a little limited with public domain is what's called royalty free music. And this is music that's been created for the sole purpose of being used by content creators. So in many cases, royalty free doesn't mean that it's free, uh, although there are certain uh, free royalty free websites, but royalty free basically means you are allowed to purchase the rights to then use this music. And typically you purchase the rights one time uh, and now you have access to use the music. And while YouTube still doesn't uh, no, it's not like somebody's telling YouTube, oh, Matt Schick in New York purchased the rights to um, uh, Jiffy Pop 180, which is a song I just created. Good morning, everyone. Uh, YouTube doesn't know that. But YouTube, what, what YouTube does know is that Jiffy Pop 180 is a royalty-free song that they won't flag or pull down. So when I buy the rights through a website, and we could talk about what websites I like to use, but when you buy the rights to those websites um, – Essentially, you now I now get the track in full quality without any audio watermark, and I can use that without it being pulled down of my stream. So, um, and there are many different sites you can use for that. I mean, one I use all the time just because I do a lot of streaming for people on YouTube, and I do a lot of ambient music. Um, YouTube has their own uh, royalty-free audio library. If you just search uh, YouTube audio library. Uh, you, there's access to thousands of tracks uh, that are being updated every single day. There's there's literally a giant library. And the best part about this is you can search by mood, by genre, uh, I believe by pace. So if you're really looking for something cinematic and sad, you can just literally check the cinematic box. Uh, if you're looking for something ambient, there's an ambient box, there's instrumental. And it just really helps you hone in uh, exactly what type of music you're looking for. Now, this is all free music. So some of it is uh, better than others, <laughs> but uh, it's a really great wealth it's a, certainly a great spot to start when you're looking for music since it is completely free um, another site that's used by a lot of professionals you know video editors professional producers even tv projects is a site called pond p-o-n-d five and pond five uh, is a much more premium site you can purchase songs you know some of them are six dollars some of them are two hundred dollars depending on what the song is how popular it is you know uh what the artist decided that they wanted to sell it for, et cetera. Uh, but there are, there are, again, thousands of options on Pond5 with really great, uh, robust search categories, just like I mentioned with YouTube. Um, another website is bensound.com. Um, there's tons of them out there. If you just go to royalty-free music uh, websites, you can you can find these giant libraries. And you're, again, allowed to use any of this. You buy it, you'll pay a one-time fee. Um, you know, I'd say on average – uh, $15, $20 for a royalty-free track is pretty uh, pretty on par with what you would pay. And you have that forever now. You can add that to your own library. And now when you're producing two years from now, you've got a library of 30, 50 songs in your computer that you can pull from and, and reuse again for different streams. So yeah, it's definitely a great, great uh, worthwhile investment. Yeah. So now, even though you have that, though, don't you still potentially run into that problem of you own the music, just like you said earlier? Have you run into where... You've had to go back to whether it's Facebook or YouTube and say, look, we own this music. You shouldn't have to pull it down. Uh, and then they reinstate you. Or is that been a been a process i've, I've never had that issue with royalty free uh, only with uh, copyrighted music uh you know when, and, and you could tell because you know when, when you send something to youtube 
it'll automatically like I'll often do a test just to make sure there's no issues in advance. So I'll run all the content video and audio through YouTube or Facebook and see if anything gets flagged. Uh, and uh, I don't recall with royalty free anything ever getting flagged where again, if I use anything at all, even if it's like four seconds from a TV show or something, uh, you know, a good example, I worked with that, uh, the performer, Michael Carbonaro, I mentioned who has uh, the Carbonaro effect on true TV. He's a great buddy of mine. And we produced that show together. And um, we were, he was doing a Q and a for, for kids at a, at a local, at a high school at the beginning of the pandemic and he showed one of his clips and we didn't get removed but afterwards we got a slap on the wrist from youtube i'm like this guy owns this Mm -hmm. content he created this content but again they don't know that there's no way of writing youtube and telling them that that uh you know you're licensed for it i mean there 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 are ways but it's just they're not it's not effective for for normal streamers like you and me so uh yeah so again uh, royalty free has been the night savior i use it all the time now uh it's just the it's it's very reliable uh if you're trying to monetize your streams which many people are forget about it you can't even you know even if you use a couple seconds of um anything at all you'll either have your monetization turned off or it'll be suspended or again your stream can just completely be shut off without any notice, uh, which obviously is a, is a tragedy for, uh, for people who, uh, you know, this is their business. This, uh, this is what they do. So I just have a couple of quick questions in regards to, okay, so, you know, on YouTube, you get a couple of copyright strikes. So I'd say probably people should test at the beginning to make sure they're not going to, um, I mean, maybe you'll get a strike at the beginning, for example, but use that almost as a, a lesson to help you moving forward, I think. And then, um, the other part uh, also that I think is you know, really important to highlight, or at least the question I had is, so if somebody bought, for example, royalty-free music, are they allowed to are they allowed to use that over and over and over, or is it a one-time use thing? Typically, it's over and over and over. Uh, when you buy the rights to royalty-free music, they're typically diff- like different levels of rights. Okay. Just like if you were to buy a graphic, you know, you can potentially buy a graphic to use for your own use for your own website. Once you start uh, using that graphic to then put on merch and sell to other people, uh, then you've got to obviously purchase for a, you know much higher enhanced license. So same thing with the music. Typically, there's two or three um, different versions that just allow for different uh, different uses. And you just read that contract carefully. Uh, most of the time, however, you do buy it and you have the you you have the rights to use that wherever you'd like, whenever you'd like. It's just, um, I guess, wherever isn't isn't correct. Whenever you'd like, within the confines of where the uh, where the contract says you're allowed to. So, um, you know, again, Pond Five uh, and Ben Sound and those websites will really clearly spell out what type of license you're purchasing and where you're allowed to uh, to to use it. So, I had one last question for you, and it's the fact that you said, you know, hey, you tested some of these things before before you publish them. So are there any specific tools that you used to do this? Does YouTube or Facebook have a tool where you can maybe run it through it? For example, I know they have a debugging tool, for example, for testing out blog images and, you know, seeing what comes up on Facebook and so forth. But are there any tools for checking the copyright? There, there may be, uh, not that I know of offhand, honestly, what I would do is, you know, so I'm a, typically a producer for other people. So again, I'm never the guy on screen. Uh, this is a rare occurrence uh, for me this morning. Uh, so what I typically do is I'm typically streaming to a client's YouTube or Facebook, or in many cases it's corporate and we're going to these big platforms like uh, Hopin, for example, where there's there's not even like a platform. It's closed circuit essentially. So you don't have to worry about these things. Uh, you're still not allowed to use copyrighted music, but uh, there's no robo scanner that pulls your stream down in, in those cases. So uh, when I'm going to YouTube or to Facebook, what I typically do is, you know, it's a new client, uh, you know, uh, most of the time anyway, or a new account rather. So once I get everything plugged in and I get my, uh, you know, my, my broadcast studio stream, talking to the, uh, to the, 
the, the platform, I essentially will just do an unlisted private stream and I'll just run through all the assets anyway. And this checks two things. It checks my ability to actually stream to their destination with no hiccups or issues. And it also checks the ability to play the content that I'm you know, planning and playing and making sure there's no issues there. I used to do this all the time when I started live streaming back in April and May. And uh, again, once I started using royalty free, there's never any anything that would ever pop up. So I, I don't really do too much anymore. Uh, it's been pretty reliable for me. Also, my clients typically don't monetize their streams. So, you know, in, in, in some cases, if they do insist on using a song that is copyrighted and I give them the, you know, I read them the right act. I let them know that it's very likely their, their, their stream can be pulled down. Mm-hmm. Since they're not monetizing it anyway, it will get a flag afterwards that says, YouTube has detected uh, copyrighted content in your stream. For this reason, we cannot monetize it, but your account is still in good standing. So um, that's been nice as well. It's still uh, a bit scary not knowing when they decide to just pull your stream down versus when they decide to just give you a kind warning like that. So again, I, I recommend all my clients um, always go the royalty-free route. I just you know don't like messing around and taking the risk. It's not worth it to you know, to have a couple lyrics or something we're familiar with. Um, typically it's only a few seconds of music anyway. Cause like we said earlier, you don't want to overpower the speaker. So, um, yeah, good rule to follow is just to, uh, you know, play by the rules, use royalty free content and, uh, and just test everything. If you have even the slightest worry that, uh, that something you have isn't kosher. Fantastic. You know, and as far as picking the right music, um, just, can you give just a quick uh, summary on that? Like how people can go about, you know, whether they choose, you know, action, suspense, you know, um, when to add music and so forth. Exactly. Yeah. It, it actually, it really depends completely on what your stream is. So if you're doing a, uh, you know, if you have a murder mystery uh, show that uh, you're streaming out, um, that's a time when you really want some suspenseful music in the background, something that's just, you know, that uh, makes us feel like if we turn the corner, we're, we're getting close to discovering who the, uh, you know, who the murderer is and putting our finger on. So, um, it's just it's it's hard to hard to really sh- like just demonstrate other than like think about what you're streaming, think about what you want people to feel while you're streaming, and then find music that without you saying anything paints that same picture, that same feeling, um, you know, conveys that same message. And now when you add you back into the equation, uh, you're accentuating the music and you're just helping tie everything together. So uh, just be careful, you know, don't be tone deaf. Uh, it's, uh, it, it's, you know, if you're, if you're streaming a funeral, which uh, I, I, I'm sure someone out there streams funerals. I'm sorry if you're that person, but uh, that doesn't sound like uh, sound like an easy job. Uh, obviously, you don't want a peppy, upbeat music in the background of a funeral. I think that would be instantly the joke of the uh, the funeral business. So, yeah, you know, you you want something more somber, a little slow, something that uh, you know is is very. Uh, you know, uh, perhaps it's some string instruments that just, you know, it, that isn't, you know, you don't want, you don't want brass in a funeral. You know what I'm saying? So just, you know, to use what you know, you use uh, what you're used to hearing in commercials. Let's turn that, turn the TV on and watch commercials for a few minutes. Every commercial has music behind it. Um, you know, listen to any pharmaceutical commercial and like they paint this picture of somebody who's really suffering through life. There's this slow music that really tugs on your heartstrings until they found well, that's true, whatever, whatever the, the, the drug is. And then suddenly everything changes. The tone completely changes. It takes a 180. The music's now more upbeat, faster. Uh, you know, there's now color on the screen. Uh, the, the subject is smiling. So that's a great example. I mean, I, I'd say look at look at your commercials, see how they do it, and then uh, try to emulate what they do by finding music that uh, fills in those blanks for you. Is Lonestra even a drug? I don't even know. It sounds like yeah. one. Uh, sounds like one, right? Or we'll make <laughs> one up, right? Yeah. yeah. Now this this has been great stuff, Matt. So so Matt, 
What what's the uh, the best place where our viewers and listeners can connect with you? I know you also uh, offer you know remote production services for people as well. Uh, what where where's the best place for them to reach out to you? That's great. Thanks, Jim. Yeah, I, I uh, you know, it's funny that the last few months have just been a total whirlwind of this, uh, you know, this, this business just kind of exploding for anyone in live production. So I'm a bit behind the eight ball, to be honest with you, uh, and like setting up a great platform where people can reach out just because it's been uh, it's kind of been nonstop without it. So I'm at the point where, you know, my team is expanding and uh, I'm getting close. So for now, um, the best way of reaching out to me is runmystream.com. Uh, that leads to a form where you can uh, fill out information about what you're trying to accomplish who your audience is, uh, what your event entails. And then uh, I reach right back out to you immediately. We start talking about the best way to, uh, to utilize my services as a producer uh, and, uh, you know, bring your, your vision to life. Uh, obviously, people are... People are used to these days, like just watching events that are plagued with technical issues uh, or, you know, the old, we can't hear you, please unmute. I mean, all, all sorts of issues we're just used to all day long. So the bar for production is pretty low, unfortunately, for virtual, even now when we're months into this pandemic where there is no other way of, of uh, you know, of communicating than through our screen. So, uh, you know, I, I think I think that, you know. I offer value to, to my clients coming from the world of, of, you know, production and also performing. And as a performer, there's a lot of things that you know that you wouldn't ordinarily understand as well if you're just a producer. You know, when you're on stage and you're introducing the next performer in a show, that performer better be waiting in the wings. There better be music that comes in as that that walk, which could be very awkward, where you cross and shake hands uh, and transition. You know, that, that, that blank needs to be filled in. So just things like that, knowing that the next three presenters are on, we see them, we hear them, you know, we're, we're, we're troubleshooting issues. 10 minutes, 15 minutes in advance of when they'd have to happen. Things that you just know as a performer who has been in that light and knows the stress of being on stage by themselves and, ha- and not having the support around them um, is really important. So I think that, uh, you know, it's, it's been it's been really fun for me to, to work with clients of all different shapes and sizes, you know, uh, Fortune 500 companies and politicians and uh, really everything in between and uh, taking that experience both as a performer and a producer, meshing them together and, you um, if you are looking for a, uh, a stream to be produced, I hope uh, hope uh, we connect. Uh, I really love doing this stuff. It's uh, great meeting new people like both of you, and uh, it's been uh, it's been a really really amazing way of kind of taking what I know and, and still being able to to work on these things uh, uh, during this time when so many uh, so many are out of work because uh, you know entertainment and live events as a whole uh, have come to a screeching halt. Fantastic! So I want to thank everyone for joining us for episode forty of the Launch Your Live podcast. You know, on this episode, we discussed how to pick the right music for live streaming with Matt Schick. I mean, you shared some amazing tips on both, you know, picking the types of music, some places you can also find music. And I also like the fact that you talked about, you know, royalty-free, you know, music and ASCAP and all that other stuff as well, because I think that's really important for people to know, you know, and to realize that, you know, you can't just go pick the music you hear on the radio and it may not be exactly what you want, but you have to make it work unless you want to actually pay for the license. So, um, but remember, you know, if you have questions uh, on this particular episode, you can go to launcher.live forward slash EP40. And if you also have any other live streaming questions, don't be hesitant to reach out to us uh, for a consultation on our Facebook page at Launcher Live. We will see you all on a future episode. Thanks a lot for tuning in. We appreciate you joining us. 
for this episode of the Launch Your Live podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform. Also, visit launchyour.live for more resources based on today's topic, as well as access to even more episodes that will help you level up your live videos. That's launchyour.live. So until next time, keep going live.